Okay, sorry. Okay, y'all, that weather one is just too tall. I mean, obviously, it was made for a man who's a number of inches above me, and I was like, I'm not even going to be able to stand there and see you guys through it, so it just had to go. So this is that other one that I fight all the time. <laughs> it collapses. It, uh, just bear with me. Have grace for me. But um, I... Whew. First of all, we didn't mention these earlier, did we? Um, if you guys didn't get one of these on your way in, this is so cool. Ready? We're out. Woo! Oh, no. I know. Um, and so we use these for a couple of reasons. One is that we want it for everybody to have one for prayer requests. And the other thing is that we want guests to have them. Well, we are a family this morning. I mean, look at us. We are small in numbers, but mighty in spirit. Because they say a family that eats together stays together. Well, apparently our family here has been doing so much together lately that not only did we eat together, but we shared together. And um, people are dropping like flies over, <laughs> over the last couple days with some head cold, you know, I, I think it's probably more than allergies because there's some fevers and some other stuff going around, chest cold stuff. So let's take a moment and, I, and just let's pray for our family that's not with us today. Um, because they, there were some people who were working so hard yesterday and got so sick overnight, and other people who had planned to be here yesterday, and their kids got sick or they got sick starting in the last three or four days. So I have a distinct feeling we've all just shared. We've loved on each other a lot, which is awesome, um, but maybe not in that way. So let's just let's lift our family up that's not here for a second, all right? Uh, Lord, I thank you that as a family, you have given us work to do. You have said, put yourself to the plow and here's the work. And we're in the process of doing that. We're taking care of our building. We're taking care of our family. We're taking care of our community. And it takes time and effort. And our children get to love and hang out together. Our families get to love and hang out together. And so, Father, I pray for those who are not here because of illness. Lord, we pray against distraction. Would you enter their homes right now in a new way this morning? Would you infill your Holy Spirit and just shock them with your presence in the bedrooms, in the living rooms, Lord, that this morning would not just be a morning at home, wasting our time is how it often feels, but instead you would Sabbath with them, Lord, that you would rest with them as they rest to find you, that you would find a resting place on them and their bodies. We love you. Amen. All right, let's get going here. So Brad has been sharing for a couple of weeks that first it takes a family, right? Our first family. And uh, so the first week we talked about um, being sons, right? So as girls, we didn't need to feel left out because part of being sons is that as daughters, we receive the full inheritance as a son would. So we use the word sonship not because it's less but because it's more in the identity of the historical context that we're looking in, that we're not cut short, we receive the full inheritance. And so we looked at sonship in that first week. In the last week, Brad talked about fathers, and fathers, he gave us three things. They create children, they model the faith, and they live sacrificial lives. And then, I guess there was actually four things. And then they compel towards godliness. And so several weeks ago, um, when we were sitting around in staff meeting, there was some discussion of different things. Somebody out there said, hey, Meg should teach on Mother's Day. Come on now. And I said, sure. 
no problem. I mean, I was excited because I was scheduled for some other week randomly. I don't even know. I find out usually about four or five days. No, not really. It's about a week in advance. Like, oh, by the way, you're next week. Okay. Um, and so I, uh, I jumped into it, and then I had a bit of a realization. <laughs> Maybe a lot of a realization. Mother's Day comes with a whole lot of baggage at times. I don't know about you guys. I have this here because I might want to look something up in the message. Oh, my word, y'all. Who has their Bibles? Really fast. If you don't have a physical Bible on you, Brian, so um, my brother-in-law is visiting with us this morning. Do you have your physical Bible? No. Come get one. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Dude, I'm calling. I know. I get to throw them under the bush. So if you guys see here, this is really funny. Just stand here for a second. This is Brad's big brother, Brian. <laughs> Y'all, when you guys wonder why my two-year-old's the size of a four-year-old and my five, anyway, there are some tall genes in this family. So they're visiting us this morning and we love having them here. But we want to have our physical Bibles out this morning. And we're going to be basing in First uh, Thessalonians, which is where we've been throughout, and then we're going to do some Bible hopping. So just, I loved it. I loved biting in and chewing on a piece, but God just kind of had me all over the place. All right, so back to what I was saying, now that we have our Bibles. Um, he has been sharing with me since the beginning of the year, pardon me, where is this? <coughs> um, a couple important thoughts. Um, and I know I've mentioned it a number of times that I've been going through a devotional book with some friends, and the devotional book um, started off the year talking about being a cracked pot. And then this last week when I was really praying through and thinking about Mother's Day and what that brings up in my heart, um, I happened to, on a totally different devotional, my Bible reading, I'm so sorry, y'all, <coughs> came across a story. So if you'll give me a minute, I want to read you a story. Because this is where I'm starting this morning. We are talking about being mothers of grace and spiritual mothers. Please remember that when we talk about mothers and fathers, we're not just talking about the sexes, female and male. We're talking about the spiritual roles that mothers and fathers have. But it happens to be Mother's Day, which is a feminine day, and uh, let me see if you are where I am. Here's the cracked pot, which is apparently an old story that gets used all over the place. So you may have heard it before. A water bearer in India served his master by toting water from the stream to his master's home. He carried, thank you, you're awesome. I need like an entire spread of stuff, don't I? He carried the water in two pots that hung on either end of a pole balanced across his shoulders. One of the pots had a crack in it, and the other pot was perfect. The perfect pot always delivered a full portion of water from the stream, while the cracked pot always arrived at the master's house only half full. For, all, for a full two years, this went on. Every day, the water bearer delivering one full and one half full measures of water to the master's home. Naturally, the full pot was proud of its surface, perfect to the end for which it had been made. But the cracked pot was unhappy. Ashamed of its imperfection, miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After an eternity of what it perceived to be bitter failure, the cracked pot spoke to the water bearer one day. 
I'm so ashamed of myself. It said, I want to apologize to you. But why? Asked the water bearer. For the past two years, spoke the pot, this crack in my side has let water leak out all the way to the master's house, and I have been unable to deliver but half my load. You do the work carrying me from the stream to our master's house each day, but because of my defect, you don't get full value for your effort, sighed the anguished pot. Kindly, the water bearer told the distressed pot, As we return to the master's house today, please notice the lovely flowers along the way. As the trio returned up the hill, the old cracked pot noticed the winsome wildflowers, the sun glistening off their bright faces, the breeze bending down their heads. But still, at the end of the trail, the faulty pot felt bad because it had again leaked out half its load. And again, it apologized to the bearer for its failure. But the bear said to the pot, Did you not notice that the flowers were only on your side of the path? Because I have always known about your flaw, I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we wind our way back from the stream, you have watered them. And every day I am able to pick these beautiful flowers to adorn our master's table. Were you not just the way you are? the master would not have had this beauty to grace his house. First Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8. I think it's going to pop up behind me, maybe. Yeah. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Our big idea today is that spiritual mothers care for us with strength, authority, and compassion. I have felt very broken at times. There were many, many years where being here on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day was almost more than I could handle. Many years where I cried at home before leaving for church on a Sunday morning, begging to just be left behind and let me just stay home. I'm not actually crying. My nose is really running this morning, y'all. I'm so sorry. Um, But thank you so much, Anthony. Oh, you're beautiful. Here, I'll just take a couple and give it back to you. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I'll just keep it. Thank you. (laughs) You know, it's here if anybody else needs it. (laughs) But the Lord began to share with me that there was strength to be found in my brokenness long before I saw the healing which came from being an actual mother. He began to to speak those words into me long before I ever read the story of the cracked pot. But when I read it this last week, I recognized so much of myself in this story. And I, I would assume that many of you, male or female, may actually see some of yourself in some of that story as well. So let's talk about brokenness, because the Lord wants us to find strength in the brokenness. Remember, His spiritual mothers care for us with strength. 
but the strength is, is not found within ourselves. So I want to define brokenness right here. So this is Meg's version of a definition of brokenness. I read a bit, looked around, and this is my definition, all right? It is that which drives us toward God. It is godly brokenness, not the source of brokenness or sin itself. Not which what was done, not which was done to you, but that which drives you to God. The strength and brokenness that we find is what is driving us to God. 2 Corinthians 7.10. So this is where we're going to bounce around a little bit. So hopefully it's all up here because, you know, yay, praise Jesus. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation, whereas worldly grief produces death. For many years, when I thought of Mother's Day, I thought of death. I thought of my inability on my own to do anything to produce life or to become a mother. And even long after the Lord joyfully gave us our first adopted daughter, she asked, as all kids do, I think, I did for many years as a child, asked for siblings. And then Mother's Day became even more a source of pain in the sense that I could do nothing to provide her with that sibling. The Lord had told Brad and I not to search out any more adoptions right now, but to be where we were supposed to be and that he would provide And so slowly I realized that my brokenness was leading me back towards the Lord, not away, because that leads us towards death. So how does this bring strength? So we must rely upon the Lord. And I thought this was interesting because when I looked up the new Oxford American Dictionary version of what rely means, it actually means depend on with full trust or confidence, like full confidence. We have to rely upon the Lord. And Nehemiah 8.10 talks about it a little more, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we look at our First Thessalonians verse, if you can pop it back up there again, part of that verse says right here, so being affectionately desirous for you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our own selves. So how do we become ready to share? Because honestly, most of the time, brokenness, I think, makes us want to go hide. You know, I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to talk. And for years, when, when churches gave out flowers on Mother's Day, I wasn't one of the women who stood up and got a flower. And not to say anything about that, but I think that there's a, a little bit of a generational misunderstanding on what the mother idea is. Um, when we have someone stand up, we are missing out on, at 10 years ago, the statistic was one in eight women in any church, ages 80 or below, had had an abortion. One in eight women in any church. So when we stand up and celebrate mothers, we're celebrating the life that the mothers have had. Well, my heart broke for the women who had not walked through healing for the ones who had had terminated their own pregnancies or had lost pregnancies or, like me, had an unexplained infertility and could never get pregnant. I just broke over the thought of compassion for all of these women. And I definitely did not find joy in any of that. So how do we find joy? How do we become ready to share? Well, we have to find that strength first. And so we return to the joy of the Lord. It's not my joy. It's his joy that he promises. So my story and my avoidance, my pain, 
I had to walk through those, part, processing parts of that and laying that before the Lord and understanding that my story wasn't over. Uh, for many years, I didn't see the next chapter. It took years in between. And the Lord was so gracious. We had one amazing surprise adoption. Six and a half years later to the day, we had another amazing surprise adoption where we got to be at the birth of our second child. We quite literally found out about Josie about 12 hours, 10 hours before she was born. Neither she nor her birth mother realized that she was actually in full labor. No, we didn't. I guess Josie actually probably realized that. But we didn't realize that. And we got to be there when she was born. And I felt like the Lord healed so much through that experience of watching her take her first breath and cry and be given to us and, and to, to be there at her birth. But to be perfectly honest, there was still a part of my heart which ached. It ached to join in on where God talks about creation, that moment of creation, the moment of growing a child, of taking part in that, and it hurt. It hurt because nobody could tell me why it couldn't happen, and it hurt because I felt selfish. I did. I felt selfish that the Lord had blessed me with these two beautiful babies, and yet I yearned for something else that I didn't really understand. But the more I've talked to other women, I hear that again and again. And instead of being allowed to talk through our pain, oftentimes we isolate and shut that away in shame, being afraid to talk about that because we've been blessed, right? Or you can just do this or do that, but don't really process through that. And so over time, the Lord shared with me that my victories could be a story that I could share and could lead others to victory as well. Just like you guys, your stories can lead others to victory. This is not necessarily a feminine or a male story in this part. I know many, many men who struggle in the idea of infertility as well. In fact, I think that there is a closeted shame over that where men are not allowed to speak of the want for a child in that way. And I think as the church, as the family, we need to open up that window and say, no, of course you want children. Of course that's part of your heart because it's part of the Lord's heart for you. So the stories of brokenness, it's not doesn't start with me and it didn't start with you. In fact, if we go back to Eve and we move all the way back to Genesis 3 and look back there, let's look at the world's first mama. Man, she was broken. Before she ever became a mother, she was broken. In fact, she sinned, right? She was the creator of sin in that sense in the human realm. She literally became the mother of sin before she became the mother of anyone else. And in that place, God put a curse upon her. But in that curse was a promise, a promise to be fulfilled, not in her lifetime, but in the generations to come. So I think part of our role as King's Church to create a family is that we are stepping into the promises for generations to come, that we are breaking curses that have been said over our individual families and over our body. She might never have seen the promise fulfilled. We know she didn't, but it was there. So Genesis 3.15, this is actually the Lord speaking to the serpent, right? Part of his curse. I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
there was a promise that there would be generations to come. There was a promise for fruitfulness. But there was also a curse in the midst of that later on for her. But she had to walk that out. I want to look at actually a man here for just a second. Let's jump to Job. Job, although not a mother, I love his heart when he looked at some of the stuff that was going on towards him. His own story. He had cried out before the Lord, begging, why does this happen to me? What is going on? And I find, as a mom, I have found great comfort in the words spoken to him in time of such despair. So, up here. Job 11, 13 to 19. And I'm actually doing all this in the ESV. I love this. Go back later, if y'all will, and read this in the message. Um, I just love the way the message kind of brought some gentleness to this. But if you prepare your heart, you will stretch out your hands toward him. If iniquity is in your hand, put it far away. So sin. And let not injustice dwell in your tents. Surely then you will lift up your face without blemish and you will be secure and will not fear. My word for the the year is fear, right? Fearless. Uh, I remember when we talked about pardon me, talked about that months ago, and the Lord had me speak that out on the spot in front of all of you guys, and man, is he making me eat that again and again and again in a good way. But you will be secure, and you will not fear. You will forget your misery. You will remember it as waters that have passed away, and your life will be brighter than the noonday, and its darkness will be like the morning, and you will feel secure because there is hope. And you will look around and take your rest in security. He says secure or security there three times. I think it's kind of important, right? He finds security and he finds rest. You will lie down and none will make you afraid. Many will, I have court your favor. I think it may be count. Oh, it is court. Many will court your favor. So I find that in our stories, in our brokenness, when we lay that before the Lord, the Lord brings a strength through that. But the strength isn't for ourselves. The strength is for others, that we have strength for others in the brokenness. And as a church, we have to walk through that if we're going to be effective ministers at all. If we stand up here and lay hands and pray over people, but we've not walked through the brokenness that the Lord is telling us, at that moment, hey, you need to do this first, then when we lay hands on someone else, there's a bit of a wall there, right? A bit of a gap. And if we want to be people who bring freedom to others, we need to find that freedom ourselves first to realize that there is strength in our brokenness when he's healed us through that. In the story of the pot, had the pot's crack been filled fully, it would never have watered the flowers, I know it's just a story, but I think often it's the cracks in us that the Lord uses to water other people. His spirit can overflow, but in a healthy way, instead of oozing, we then pour water to other people. So number two, all right, authority and gentleness. Y'all, I'm about to step on my own toes even more here. So, but we go back to 1 Thessalonians there. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So let's focus in on that gentle among you like a nursing mother. Gentle mothers mother from a place of brokenness, but they don't settle there. So I love this. In Galatians 5, Paul lists gentleness as one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Can we all sing the song? I'm teasing. We won't right now. Maybe we'll have the kids do it for their next song. 
This is perhaps next to patience, the hardest of the list for me in my own heart. I've not always felt like a gentle person. In fact, I'm pretty sure my niece who's visiting as well could, could speak to that. We don't value gentle leaders as a culture, do we? <laughs> Look at our president. Um, we value strong and authoritative leaders. And yet, the Bible once again redefines this for us. The word here in the Greek is the same word Jesus uses when we read, the meek shall inherit the earth. It's the same word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it for you. That's not why I'm here. But I love that it's the same word. It's often translated as meek, mild, or gentle. Same word right there. But Strong's Greek concordance goes a little further, which I love this. Ready? Saying that the word refers to exercising God's strength under his control. God's strength under his control, demonstrating power without undue harshness. The English term meek often lacks this blend of gentleness, or also we can use the word reserve and strength. Reserve and strength, power and control. So do these words come to mind for you when you think of gentleness? It, It doesn't for me. That's never, until I started really processing through this. I never thought of that. We must realize that the spirit is our only power, but also our restraint and also our guide for power and authority. The spirit is, it is our restraint and our guide for our power and our authority. What areas in life is God wanting to guide your authority? Because each of you walk in an authority in an area an authority that he wants to call up even more. He wants to redefine what you have defined in the world's eyes. There are areas where you have seen your cracks larger than God has seen your authority. Jesus was gentle at all times. In fact, when we think back to Eve's curse, we can look forward to the redemption of the prophecy. It was literally a promise fulfilled. So if we look at Luke 10, 17 to 20, and jump there, Many generations later, long after her own death, Jesus refers back to the moment that we read before. He's the fulfillment of our brokenness and yours. We are given the same authority as he gave the disciples. Let's read that. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I think of a mom there, all the times that like my kids go out and try something new and they come back in like, mom, I climbed to the top of the tree. And they didn't realize that I was like inside in the window going, yes, you're doing great. Like trying to decide if I needed to run out there and like grab them or not, right? But I was watching and, and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from, your, from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Do you see that right there? Going back to that, in his authority that he's given them, they are now under his authority, the fulfillment of that prophecy in Genesis. Nevertheless, oh wait, right there, it's important. And all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. Let's turn our focus back. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He quickly reminds them to look up and not become distracted, but to look at the Father for the authority. Now, he always did that again and again and again. He would point back to the Father. He would point back to the Father. And he literally took 
his authority, and in a gentle reminder, always put it back that the authority, the power came through the Father, that it wasn't in the action that was going on. It was who was giving the ability to do that action. And then last but not least, as I was thinking about things, we have compassion in action because he was always compassionate in his action. Spiritual moms, are, they care for us in strength, authority, and, and in compassion. I think each one of you guys are called to call out more from someone else around you. Even this morning when you prayed over the person next to you and you're praying over them what the Lord, what you are crying out for your own heart, you're having compassion that for that person. You're crying out for the authority of the Lord to move and to open up and to hear that and for fire to fall afresh. First Thessalonians, if we go back there, it says in number eight, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves because you had become very dear to us. I love this, ready? I think affectionately desirous refers to this. We are called to be ready to share the gospel in ourselves. Simple, right? But I think it's huge because how many times when we're out do we get busy? And I know everybody gets busy, but sometimes does the person that's taking forever in front of you at the checkout aisle at Walmart, if you happen to go to Walmart, or if you go to Target or someone else, kind of annoy you? But like they're like fumbling through their stuff or they're talking and you're like, oh my word, can you just hurry it up? I have somewhere to go. Or I'm just going to tread here a little bit, but how many times on a Sunday morning do you wish that maybe prayer ministry would hurry up a little bit because you're hungry and it's time to go eat some lunch? Oh yeah. I'm, come on, y'all. You guys are like dead silent this morning. But you know it's true. I've been there. There have been times where I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do for lunch today? I haven't really thought about it. And the Lord's like, Megan, I'm moving over here. And so sometimes he tells us to step back into that authority, which is submission to him, right? Listening and saying, hey, I'm going to step in and I'm going to be affectionately desirous. Sometimes that takes work. Maybe it's not natural for you to be gentle, like me. Maybe it's not natural for you to be affectionately desirous of somebody else's good above your own. Dead silence. Like, I feel like we need some crickets going on up here. But in this, I think I see this. I feel like here we see a hint of the heart of adoption right here. We've talked about that before, but I love it. We are all adopted into the kingdom of heaven. We are, and our church seems to love adoption. I mean, we have a lot of adopted kids, and I pray for more. I pray that our families grow through adoption and that we pull other families into adoption because that's what we're meant to be doing is we multiplying through adoption, Spiritual mothers look for areas to pour out our hearts. We share who we are with those around us, giving our very being. You know, I think of those who, who showed up yesterday, and no shame on people who didn't. This is not what I'm talking about this. But people showed up yesterday and literally like dug holes and planted plants, and then they fed them and watered them. And other people like cut back the, the uh, brush over on the other side of the little parking lot because I actually did not realize there was a sidewalk there. I mean, what a blessing to the neighborhood, right? Like people can like walk on that side of the street now because we like brought that under submission. We brought that back under control so it can be used properly. So back up there, it, remember it also said very dear to us, very dear to us. 
Mothers sacrifice to raise up servants. We pull things close to our heart. It's easy, I think, to sometimes give to someone and then give up to a certain point and protect our own hearts because if they don't accept what we give, it hurts. But mothers, spiritual mothers, we're going to be ready to step into a place of opening our heart up, and sometimes we may get hurt some. It may happen. Sometimes those around us may not kind of give back in the way that we're giving, and that's okay because maybe they were not, they're not there yet. But that doesn't mean that we're called to put up a wall. If we mother in the sense that Jesus mothered, because he did, a lot of what he did was to mother his disciples. When he did that, he was offering grace again and again and again. Brokenness and suffering can birth two things in us. And it's our choice, either bitterness or compassion. We make that choice, and it greatly affects where we pour our energy and our heart. There's a really sweet woman lately who keeps telling me, oh, the Lord keeps saying to try something new. And I love it. She's just jumping into new areas. She's like, I've never done it before, but I'm going to jump. She has chosen to walk the road of compassion and to stand out and do something different. A compassion birthed in us gives us two things for those around us. Ready? You're going to hear me say this a lot, y'all. It reminds us of who they are, and it gives us a vision of who they can become. Because we don't always need to see that just for ourselves, but we have to see that for others and those around us. So I've taught several different times at a couple different places. Um, Over the years, I've done a number of just kind of private art lessons for groups of kids. And I'm like the professional, like, um, camp counselor. I love doing camp counseling. I think part of it is that you have them for a period of time and they all want to be there and then you send them away, right? I mean, it's perfect. I'm, I'm going to be like the best grandma ever. And, and so, um, but for a period of time, I taught at a private school and I was teaching art from K4 to 12th grade, okay? And I loved it. I mean, basically, I was said, here's a budget, design your curriculum of what you want to do and just have fun. I mean, really, y'all. I mean, it was so great. Except for those middle schoolers. Like, it was really hard. Middle schoolers, like, pull up this attitude, right? And they start to, like, talk back and question you. And by the time they're in high school, they're thinking the questions in their head. But they don't always speak it. But middle schoolers have no ability to balance that yet a lot of times. And, and it's a natural growth. Like, I didn't know this. So I went to some of my friends who are, like, counselors or, like, child psychologists. And I was like, tell me, what is this? Because it's, like, all of them. Like, they all do this. And they're like, no, it's natural. It's good. It's part of the process that if they don't start to question and pull away from the adults around them, cut those apron strings and form identity, then they won't grow up. So this is part of it. But you get to deal with it, too, because you're a teacher. So that's just part of what it happens. But I remember that it was easier for me to have compassion on the ones that I knew when they were younger because I remembered what they looked like when they were sweet and innocent and wanted and liked you because they thought you were cool until they suddenly realized you weren't anymore because I'm not. But they thought I was for a period of time. And those kids that I remembered like that, it was so much easier for me to have a vision of who they were going to be. 
in the future. I mean, it just was. And I could see them as mature, young college age or high school kids rocking it out. But the ones that I had stepped into teaching and I didn't know them before, in my own heart, it was so much more of a struggle. It just was. Because I didn't have a vision of who they were. And I was just irritated inside by them. Like, <laughs> really irritated. And I had to give that back to the Lord a lot because I didn't want to teach and have favorites and not favorites. But I realized that's where that delineation was for me, was that I didn't have a vision of who they had been when they were little. I love that the Lord always knows who we are and whose we are, and he has a vision of who we are going to become. If there's a hurt, a spiritual mother, as spiritual mothers, we don't wait for someone else to help. We jump in. This morning, I was walking by, and the kids were getting ready to come and sing, and yet Della stopped what she was doing, and she had been helping greet, and sorry, I'm calling you out, girlfriend, but you did great here, and she had to be a mama for a minute. She had to go find a Band-Aid and take care of a knee that had been cut and was hurting, and the Band-Aid that was there was no longer something. I mean, it just got ripped off. It was done. And she, instead of fussing or anything else, stopped what she was doing and was a mama and took care of her boy. And then he was ready to go on and be what she would be ready to go back. As spiritual moms, we're ready to do that. We're ready to stop and to focus our attention on the one who needs it right then. The rest of us, as spiritual moms and dads, give space for that and to realize that we need to see that and honor that. And sometimes we step in as well, and other times we step back and just pray for that. But we want to encourage that as a body. If we relinquish the right to hold on to our hurt and our suffering and allow compassion to birth, then we join Jesus in viewing those around us with the heart, believing their best is really yet to come. Regardless of the brokenness of the now, Jesus sees us as we are yet to be. He gives us this freedom, and he gives us the helper, right? He actually said in the word, you don't want me to stay. Now, how many times, honestly, have you guys wished that you could see Jesus right now? I mean, as a kid, I remember praying for that. But his word says, you don't want me to stay, because if I stay, the helper cannot come. He sent the better thing in that way. Jesus had already been obedient, conquering sin and death, and the helper was to come in and walk beside us and to literally walk in us to fulfill that, that view of what Jesus sees in others. The Holy Spirit is the guide, so he heals in us and he heals through us. When we have compassion for those hurting, it moves us towards action. So here's my thought. Don't be afraid of your suffering. The love of our Heavenly Father is so much bigger than our pain. And we are created to be immortal beings, the future promised beside Him. This changes life here on earth. And it challenges us here on earth to have a vision that pales in comparison to if we are settling for the pain now. So here's my call to action, guys and gals. Whether you're a female or a male, you are called to be a spiritual mother in some way to somebody. And moms, whether you have birthed a kid, whether you have adopted a kid, whether the Lord has not done either of the above in you yet, you are called to mother those around you. You are called to walk beside and speak out the best and sometimes discipline those around you. And I have said more than once that my sweet little kids need you guys looking out for their best too. You know, I've talked about my son and his, his uh, 
sensory stuff. And, and, and we've seen such growth this year. But if there hadn't been people more than once willing to step in and say no to him, I'm pretty sure his life would have ended. Because sometimes he's just more places than I can be at one time. But that's part of us being a family, is caring for each other and having the trust that when somebody looks at my child and says this, they have their best interest at heart. And so we want to be a growing family that's looking at each other and saying, hey, if you're stuck here, I want to help you because maybe then if you speak to my kid, it's not with his best interest at heart. So let's work through this together, right? So we can trust and we can grow. We have to accept our brokenness because it's the foundation of our strength. We have to seek to hope again. Have you ever met somebody, or maybe this is you in some area of your heart, that has ceased to hope, that you're done with hope? I remember at some points early on, I felt completely null of hope for ever becoming a mother. I had seen most of the young women my age already step into motherhood in some ways, and I felt like it just wasn't in the cards for me, which is kind of funny now with four kids, right? We don't know where our story is going to take us. We just don't. 1 Peter 1.13, we are called to be holy. Therefore, preparing your mind for action. I love this. It doesn't say sit back and hope that God kind of bangs you on the head. It says prepare your mind for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say it might be brought. It's a promise there, but it's kind of an if and then, right? Set your mind. Prepare for action. Be sober-minded. I, you know, the more I think of the term sober-minded, I'm sort of convicted in the sense that there are times in my life where I've looked at other stuff to distract my brain, whether it's reading something or watching something, or maybe you do something else. I don't know. I know a lot of people who love um, game stuff. Obviously, I don't do that. But finding distractions in some ways, those distractions can lead to what compulsions and to something else, stepping us away from hearing the voice of God. But we are called to be sober-minded, to be focused on him. It may not come easily or quickly, but we're told to prepare our minds, to be disciplined in thought, to focus and seek out the help, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can make this change in you or in me. We can't do this alone or through just determination. You know that, right? All of what I'm saying right now, the more you say, I'm going to do this on my own, I'm going to just mm, suck it up and push for it. How many times have you guys fallen flat on your face? Because I know I have. We have to start and ask for him to be the beginner and the finisher in this and for each other. God sees us as he believes us already to be. Sometimes we need to catch up. So here's my question for us. As we've walked through the, the different parts of, of being a family, I thought it was funny. The world recognizes how important this is, all right? So we get Time Magazine. I don't know why. Um, it shows up once a week to our house. I don't know. Have y'all ever gotten magazines and you're just like, it has your name, but you're like, 
Um, I, I don't know why, year after year. So for a while, we got um, National Geographic, and I figured out later that Brad had some free thing that he actually got that for, but I don't know what time is. But anyway, Time Magazine shows up. We rarely read it, all right? But I almost brought it, except that Brad had already thrown it away, and it had, like, I don't know, spaghetti sauce on it, so I didn't <laughs> dig it out of the trash. But the front of it said Time. I guess that's all it says anymore, right? It's just Time. And then it said First Family, on it, and it was specifically talking about the first family of some sort. I don't know who the first family was, but it said it, time, first family. That's what we are. We are to be first family, and that's where we're putting our time in. So we're taking time to talk about this. And even though there's a smaller group of us here today, which I love, because y'all, when, when it's a smaller group, I can make us do funny things, because... <laughs> You know, if you don't do it, you're going to really stand out. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to be sure. I hear sure. It's awesome. So we're going to be spiritual mamas. We're going to be spiritual papas. We're going to step in and love each other and love each other's children and call the best out so that when we are in our community, we are ready to present the gospel in a full, healthy way. The Lord wants to show you where your cracks are. Because if you're sitting here today going, I love this sermon, that's great. Go, Meg, you did awesome, but nothing applied to me. Well, I, I'm not a, I, I, I'm just Meg. But I have a feeling if the Lord spends this much time talking about some of these issues, then it's probably pretty important to his heart. <laughs> and it's probably pretty true from the numerous amount of times that this, uh, the cracked pot story was on, on um, when I Googled it. It has been like in chicken soup for the souls. And in, I mean, it is like everywhere. I mean, apparently it gets used so much. And so because people identify with the story like I did. So I have a feeling if your heritage came from Eve as a broken first mom, which would apply to all of us, then that brokenness, the generational brokenness that can only be set free through the power of Jesus is something that we carry as humans now on earth. And he wants to set us free so that he can water those around us through his truth and his blood and his spirit. Not because we are something amazing, but because we are aware of the brokenness and allow it to flow. We're not trying to stim it. We don't need to be ashamed of it, but we need to come to reckoning with it and asking the Lord to heal that. So whether you came this morning and you're just psyched, it's Mother's Day and it's amazing. Happy first Mother's Day to some of you guys out there. It's beautiful and it's exciting. Or whether you came and there's a secret pain down in your heart, mom, dads of our church, let's seek and find because he says he will be found. So I don't know where to go with this now other than we need our worship team back up here. I know that there were words given. We had an amazing time of prayer this morning. But I want you to not be afraid to find him up here this morning. I may pull us around as a family. We'll see what happens. But I want us to be able to hear the words of God first for us. Because not only do we want emotional strength and healing and security, but I know that he loves to touch physically to help our story as well.